Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Yo, everybody, and welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than, a Simpsons podcast where, among other things, I dig into why people love The Simpsons. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not... Open up one of those right now while you listen, type in Bart of Darkness, check it out, and let me know what you think. So I'm back this week with another interview. It's been a while since I've done one of those, and my guest today is none other than Luke McGarry. Luke is a cartoonist, an animator, a musician. You've probably seen his work in Mad Magazine or the extremely depressing, sad, chewy series that he did. And of course, it comes as no surprise that Luke is a big Simpsons fan. So let's get this one started so you can hear why. Episode 59. Let's go. I'm curious if you have ever seen this website called The Wayback Machine. Yes, I have. I have, yeah. Okay, so this was new to me. And to say that it blew my mind is a bit of an understatement because... I was very early to the internet. My family was very poor, but I had an uncle that was super into computers and he basically forced us to get a computer and the internet like in the late nineties. So all of these like websites that I used to go to and what like fan sites that I would have for bands and whatever, things that I wouldn't expect to be archived anywhere are on this website. So I spent no joke, like three hours looking at this website the other night and I just, I'm still reeling from it. It's like going back in time. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, I've had to use it a few times when uh, it's like, Oh, um, you know, somebody said something nice about me in an article. I remember I've got to find it. And then you Google it and it's like, yeah, that website's been removed. That just doesn't exist anymore. That magazine's out of business. (laughs) So yeah, way back machine sometimes comes in handy. I I Uh, can't believe the things (laughs) that it chose to archive. Like why would it, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Nothing Face, but I was really into this band right. when, when I was like 13. And my little shitty fan website for this band is on Wayback Machine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's way more important stuff that is not on there, but for some reason that is there. Yeah. Uh, really rocked me. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, but yeah, it's good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad Nothing Face uh, lives on in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> Anyone that is listening to this that, you know, is curious, like, oh, you know, I used to have an Angel Fire page in like 2000. It might very well be on the Wayback Machine. My old like music zine was on there, you know, articles I wrote in like 2002 when I was 15. I mean, things that just shouldn't still be accessible uh, was on the Wayback Machine. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you, go look at that website today. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, so Luke, the way I officially start these, uh, you know, it's been this way since my first episode, uh, or the first couple at least. And I like to ask, how are you like sincerely, not just like a passive, you know, Hey, how you doing? But a a sincere, how are you? 
uh, especially in the world that we're living in now? Yeah. Um, well, I'm the, I'm the worst person to ask that because my answer is always, I'm good. Um, <laughs> and is always legitimately just, yeah, I'm fine. So um, yeah, uh, let me try and expand upon that um, to make your <laughs> podcast more interesting. But yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm good. Things are, um, I mean, the world is crumbling around me, but uh, I'm, I'm just trucking along, just drawing little pictures and, um, you know, uh, <laughs> family life is fine. Every, everybody's healthy, you know. Um, there you go. To, to date, I have not caught COVID. So as I knock on wood, um, you know. <laughs> I avoided it for a very long time. It actually got me back in December, even with, you know, double vax boosted. Uh, but because of that, I was okay. So, you know, yeah. anyone out there that uh, if you're for some reason listening to this and you're on the fence still about whether or not the vaccine's a good idea, let me tell you from personal experience, helped me a lot. So yeah. uh, don't, don't be caught out there with COVID. Sucks. Absolutely. I feel like, um, I mean, obviously I, I'm, I'll take every shot they can give me, um, you know, and take all the precautions. But I think my biggest secret to not catching COVID has been um, not touching the uh, elevator buttons in my apartment <laughs> building. Um, I just, <laughs> I use my keys to press them. So um, I think, I think that's been the secret is, uh, you know, just don't touch elevator buttons. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years from now, a report's going to come out that's like, scientists have found yeah, that exactly. one of the leading ways to avoid COVID all along was to not touch the not elevator. Touch those elevator buttons. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Everybody be safe out there. I, you know, uh, one thing that I've been referencing a lot recently, um, just in terms of life and how it's going, is I don't know if you've seen the movie yet, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So I've been talking about this movie nonstop, and I won't, you know, I won't spend too long on this because if anyone that actually knows me in real life listens to this, they're going to roll their eyes and go, Warren, we understand that you really like this movie, but I will recommend it to my listeners and say that once in a while life, you know, well, often life sucks and, uh, you, you know, you deal with a lot of annoying things, especially in the time we are in right now. And once in a while you need a piece of art or a film or, you know, any, anything like that to sort of remind you why you enjoy you know, your friends and your family and the things that you do every day. And this movie really did that for me. It's really life affirming in a way, sort of reminds you that we're all dealing with this bullshit at the same time. So the highest recommendation I can give uh, for a movie for you, Luke, and everyone listening is that movie. So put that on your schedule, please. Well, I was, um, I was desperate to go see it uh, the other week because I, I rarely go to the movie theater. Um, I just, uh, I don't, I'm so, so antisocial. <laughs> also, this is, this is also how I've avoided COVID is uh, not leaving my house at all. That does but, help. Um, uh, <laughs> it was a, a choice for my girlfriend and I between uh, everything everywhere all at once and the Nicolas Cage movie. Mm. And I was like, I really want to see this everything everywhere all at once. Like people are raving about it. Um, you know, I've heard nothing but good things. And I don't even like Nicolas Cage. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not in the mood for everything everywhere. I'm not in the mood for like multiverse stuff right now. So, uh, so we went to see Nicolas Cage instead. And that was fine. Um, but yeah, uh, my one opportunity to um, not one, I'll go. I can go by myself. You're, you're allowed to go to the movie theater by yourself. Yeah, another but, one. Um, yeah, date night ended up being Nicolas Cage. So um, I can't say that was $20 well spent, but you know, w w watch if I'm, if we're all making movie recommendations, watch that when it's free on TV. Sure. Sure. <laughs> we're making, you know, I, I've actually heard a lot of good things about that as well. 
Um, but I will say this, since you have, you know, an opportunity to, to go or when you have an opportunity to go, take some tissue with you, man. It's a heavy, it's a heavy piece of art. Oh, okay. Cool. That. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. I've, it's been a while since I've had a good cry. <laughs> we all need that from time to time. Uh, but anyway, welcome to Warren's movie podcast apparently today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, but Luke is here because, well, for several reasons, but obviously he's a Simpsons fan. That's the reason people come on this podcast. But I'm sure all of you have seen Luke's drawings, his animations all over the internet. And what I want to know up top is when did you first realize that you wanted to draw or that you enjoyed to draw um, or enjoyed well, drawing, I guess? Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, I've been doing it uh, since I could hold a crayon, you know, I've just dove straight into it, dived straight into it. Um, but it's, uh, it's funny because my dad is a cartoonist as well. Um, and all of his friends are cartoonists. So I sort of grew up, um, I figured, I, I thought that's what you were supposed to do when you grew up. Like I didn't know an adult who wasn't a cartoonist <laughs> until I was about seven. Um, wow. so, yeah, I just assumed everybody's parents, you know, stayed at home all day in their underwear, um, you know, <laughs> drawing cartoons. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it, it was something I've, I'd, I'd been doing my entire life. And then I went to, um, an arts high school, uh, in Santa Ana, California. I'm originally from the UK, uh, but we came out here for high school and I went to the Orange County High School of the Arts down in Santa Ana. And um, majored in visual arts there. So while everybody else was learning figure painting and stuff and like anatomy, I was just drawing cartoons. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I probably should have paid more attention in class. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, just focused on cartoons. Um, And then while I was there, my brother and I started uh, a band, still going, called Pop Noir. Um, But yeah, we started it when we were about 15. Um, Wow. And uh, that was plan A was to um, be rock stars. <laughs> and um, I, I started working with local music newspapers because I could draw and stuff. And I was like, oh, um, you know, I can illustrate their articles. I was working for LA Record Magazine and stuff. And um, it's like, oh, I can do illustrations for them and then they'll cover our band. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get positive press that way because I'm friends with them. And that <laughs> sort of worked a little bit. But through them, um, I met the guys who founded FYF Fest and started doing posters for them around LA. And then they got bought out by Golden Voice, who obviously present Coachella and stuff. So I started working for Coachella um, and sort of very quickly, uh, art, which was just a thing I was doing on the side, became, you know, plan A. Um, and yeah, so that, that really panned out. But then it was funny because it was like, oh, I'm working for all these huge festivals now they'll definitely put our band on because I'm, I'm working with them. And then uh, they were like, uh, yeah, no, it'll look like nepotism. Everybody knows you do the posters. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, then you've got to start paying me more or at all. Right. But yeah, so um, I, I just kind of, to, to summary, in summary, uh, I was drawing all my life and, but, um, you know, the plan was to be a musician, but uh, you know, and my brother and I are still making music and still doing stuff. But now I do like, you know, uh, animated videos for, you know, our own music and, you know, we design all our own record sleeves and merch and stuff. Um, and we run a tiny record label, but yeah, it's, um, it's just drawing away. Yeah. It, just, it. it was, it was my fate. 
<laughs> yeah, I love it. And you know, I always love hearing stories like that too, because it's it's similar for me. I mean, I'm not much of an artist. I do dabble in graphic design. I do all the stuff for the podcast and my Instagram and all of that. But you know, I also was like, oh, I'm going to be a musician forever. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, but you know, sometimes it takes you on a different path. I mean, if I wouldn't have met my wife without being in bands, I wouldn't have, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing any of the stuff I'm doing now, at least not, not in this set of circumstances, if it wasn't for music. So I always love to, to see how it leads people all places and usually yeah. in some sort of creative way too. Um, did you draw many Simpsons as a kid? I mean, when you were doodling, what was, was any of that Simpsons related? No, you know, I never really drew um, The Simpsons that much because, um, uh, well, mainly because I was more into Ninja Turtles. That was my big thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy drawing the Ninja Turtles. They were um, fun to draw. I doodled, yeah, those, were, I doodled were, them too. <laughs> they, were, they were easier to draw than The Simpsons because um, I feel like the, the Ninja Turtles really um, are open to your own interpretation. You can, you know, there's something about them that really lets you uh, have fun with them. Whereas if you don't draw Homer, right, it doesn't look like Homer. And that's right. like, well, what's the point? You know, I'm not doing this. Um, <laughs> so right. yeah, I didn't, uh, I watched the Simpsons religiously as a kid. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I, I didn't really draw them too much now. So, I mean, regardless of the fact that this is a Simpsons podcast as a big Ninja Turtles fan myself as a kid, I do have to know, I'm just required to ask who was your favorite Ninja Turtle? Oh, I was Leonardo all the way. Uh, because his name began with an L, uh, <laughs> his sword was the coolest weapon, um, and he was the blue one, and blue was my favorite color. So, see, it's funny go. to hear you say that. So, the sword is definitely the coolest weapon. That's not oh, up for debate. How are However, we going to do Donatello with a stick? Get out well, of Luke, that's perfect <laughs> because actually, my favorite was Donatello, but oh, only God. because <laughs> my favorite color was purple. Because my favorite flavor of anything was grape. I was that kid. Right. So I liked the purple because of grape. And I, you know, as an adult, I acknowledge Donatello is the worst character. So you're right to you're right to roast him. But as well, a kid, actually, the color does the that. best. He's probably the uh, the least toxic. Um, if we're talking about <laughs> mutant turtles, I mean they're all a little bit toxic. But um, right. you know, he was probably like he was the brains. Uh, I feel like he was gentler. Yeah. Um, my, but yeah, I was Leonardo and my brother was Raphael because, um, he always wore red, uh, cause we're twins. So, um, our parents had to, they dressed as the same, but in different colors and I was always <laughs> in blue. He was always in red and, um, yeah, it was Leonardo and Raphael in our house. Those there you go. Too. My brother liked Michelangelo because he liked orange. I'm, I'm telling you colors exactly. have so much to do with why, why you like the Ninja Turtles that you like. Um, all right. So. Some of you uh, that are not familiar with Luke might actually be, whether you realize it or not, and you might know him from his Sad Chewy series. This is one of the first things I ever saw that Luke did. I'm a big Star Wars fan as well. Uh, do you just like to make people sad, Luke? What made you do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> um, we, uh, I initially did the thing for, um, uh, it was for Super Deluxe, who uh, are, no longer with us, unfortunately. That that's twice now. Super Deluxe have gone out of business. Um, <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it was initially a series for Super Deluxe, and um, the the way it came about was uh, Jason um, Richards, one of the the art director guys at Super Deluxe, came to me because I'd been doing bits and pieces for them, and um, he said, uh, "You know, it'd be really funny to do." Um, uh, a cartoon that kind of spoiled the new Star Wars for everybody um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, Han Solo dies. And I went, 
I, this was the day after the movie had come out. And I, I think he assumed that I'd have seen it on day one. Oh God. But I hadn't seen it and I was going to go see it that night. I was like, Oh God <laughs> damn it. Um, so he ruined it for me. So I decided to take it out on everybody. So I came up with, um, the sad Chewy character and it was just, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's Chewbacca dealing with, you know, his feelings <laughs> over the death of his best friend for, you know, our entire lives. Yeah. Um, and kind of the initial, we want a wanted to make people sad, but B I thought it'd be funny to do the same joke every week so that <laughs> you'd get annoyed with it as well, that it was just the same thing every time. Um, it would go from annoying to funny to boring to annoying again to funny back to sad hopefully yeah no it's it's like okay we get it it's this is depressing luke okay yeah exactly <laughs> and like way out of the kind of window of relevancy of um talking about on solo dying too just i think we did it for about maybe even a full year if not longer of just the same joke every tuesday i think um, crazy uh, so yeah, the, the, the whole idea was to make people sad. And then, um, you know, I, I kept doing it, uh, outside of super deluxe. I did like, um, a sad chewy coloring book and stuff that sold really well at comic conventions. And, um, uh, to date Disney haven't sent me any cease and desist letters or tried to sue me yet. So, um, wow. you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, some, sometimes, you know, when I look at stuff like that, and this is something I talk about a lot on this show in terms of like Simpsons bootleg merchandise, because there's a lot of really great bootleg Simpsons stuff being made right now. I won't say their names in case anyone's listening, but so much of that stuff is not only great, but it's free advertisement. It's free, you know, nostalgia fuel for a lot of people that might not like some of the, you know, new stuff being made for the show. And in all reality, they should just realize they're saving money from the advertising budget by just letting people do that. I mean, they can't be making that much money. Just let them go. Yeah. Well, I've heard I've heard that um, Matt Groening is very pro Simpsons bootlegs. Um, you know, I'm sure the lawyers at Fox disagree, but uh, <laughs> I've heard stories of him uh, picking up Simpsons bootlegs at comic conventions and stuff. And uh, uh, George Lucas too apparently was big on Star Wars fan art and bootlegs and stuff. Um, so you know, there you go. These uh, chubby bearded men. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta let them go. Like, yeah, I mean, come exactly. on, it's. There's so many that I love, so many shirts that I wear. And, you know, it, it'd be one thing, like, sure, if someone was making, like, you know, very sexualized, like, strange T-shirts of, like, you know, there's, like, things that I could see you being, like, okay, y'all, y'all chill out with that. But if someone's making, like, original art from the show on shirts, just just let them go. Come on. Yeah, man. That's been Speaking my sense forever. Overly sexualized uh, Simpsons ripoffs. I don't know if you've seen the the pin. <laughs> I released. I don't know if you saw my enamel pin that I released. No, um, I don't think I did, Luke. Oh boy. Okay, so um the uh <laughs> I released this pin. It's it's actually out. It's completely sold out of like its 10th pressing. Um and I don't <laughs> know if I'm going to do it again. I might do. But it was um there's a famous image that gets conflated with Tom of Finland. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom of Finland, the um erotic homosexual uh Finnish artist. Yeah. Um he uh th- there's an image but it was on all the like the sex pistols t-shirts um of two cowboys um press- right. pressing their dongs together yeah i do know <laughs> Black that and yeah. Word. yeah um so it gets conflated with tom of finland it isn't tom of finland but it's very tom of finland-esque anyway i did a version of that with um barton millhouse and released it as a, a pin <laughs> and uh 
So just two amorous cowboys. Um, it sold like crazy. Um, and my favorite story about that was I, I had um, a, a poster for sale at a comic convention and it had some palm trees on it. And I can't really draw palm trees, <laughs> but they look, so they looked at the tiniest little bit like weed leaves, but they weren't because I'm not like a stoner or anything. I wouldn't just put weed leaves <laughs> on something. Um, just for no reason. Just for no reason. Uh, I had this poster and some woman came up uh, and uh, she was looking and she's like, oh, I like this poster. Oh, but I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a high school teacher. I know what those are. I know those are <laughs> weed leaves. You can't fool me. Uh, so I buy this poster, but I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, you know, cause I'm, I, I don't like drug stuff. Um, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, I'll just buy the Simpsons pin for my husband. <laughs> and she just grabbed it and gave me $10 without looking at it and put it in her purse. I, <laughs> and then like know, kind of stayed lecturing me for a minute. So I kind of closed the display case surreptitiously and hit it. I, I would love to have seen the look on her face when she got home. It's like, Oh, I got you this nice uh, cowboy Simpsons pin. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. love that. Yeah. I love that oh, so much. Boy. Yeah. I don't, you know, there is a chance that I've seen it and for some reason didn't realize it was yours, but I need to see it immediately. Uh, the, the moral of the story is, you know what? Fuck what I said. Even if it is over-sexualized, as long as it's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that was the thing, that was one of the things I most assumed I would get in trouble for. And, you know, (laughs) nobody ever, nobody ever said anything. So, um, you know, yeah, who knows, but I, I did it as a, just kind of to your point about over overly sexualizing thing. There was a big kind of, um, a few years ago, certainly there was a, a lot of Simpsons bootlegs going around and it seemed like everybody was kind of making their name off Simpsons bootlegs, yeah. like every kind of artist in the scene. So I, the the whole point of my um, Bart of Finland pin, as it was called, even though, again, it's not Tom of Finland. Um, <laughs> the whole point was, well, if we're going to do an edgy bootleg, let's do an edgy bootleg. Like let's right. go all the way, you know? So it was sort of a statement, but then it just became a thing that people genuinely liked and, you know, that's uh, that's it. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure you're gonna have people beating down your door to make it again after they after they listen to this. Yeah, I might release it in an alternate colorway. So there we'll see. Go. We'll do the the, the, you know, the ten year anniversary of this pin. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about, Luke. So you know, sort of on on that same topic of art, you don't just draw. Uh, you're also an animator, and obviously that's relevant to talking about The Simpsons. Where did your interest in that start? Um, it started uh, again. I mean, you know, kind of. I, I I would tie it back to just watching the Simpsons, you know, growing up. It's like, um, you know, I mean, I was big on cartoons as a kid and uh, everybody's like, uh, surely it occurs to everybody at some point, like, well, I could do this. It'd be cool if my, you know, drawings of Ninja Turtles could move. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I'd sort of always been interested in that. Um, but then, so I dabbled with it again at my arts high school. Um, they, let me take an advanced um animation class uh just because i don't i don't know i wasn't any good at figure painting <laughs> like well <laughs> you know you're in you're ninth grade but we'll put you in the senior animation class uh just because you're not taking figure painting seriously <laughs> um so you know i sort of learned the, the kind of basic mechanics of it there um, but then uh, i got approached about doing a music video for this band Guster. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was sort of the freelancers code of lying and saying you could do a job. So they were like, Oh, we love your cartoons. Can you do an animated music video for us? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So then (laughs) I sort of very quickly learned, uh, flash 
flash animation um and uh just have run with it since then you know it was sort of out of necessity um, crazy yeah yeah i'm always curious you know and that's something that you know I, I hear from a lot of people in fact my friend brandon who uh co-hosts some of these episodes when i deep dive on an episode of the show or something he also studied animation went to school for it and uh you know he talks about how watching a show like the simpsons is it really is like a master class of animation it's one of the last like truly you know, hand animated cartoons. So there's like a lot of stuff, you know, we just talked about who shot Mr. Burns and you're talking about some of the choices, some of the shots in yeah. those episodes are really spectacular. And, you know, I working and knowing about animation, you sort of appreciate that stuff on a different level. So that's always cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I was, I was privileged. And so going back to my dad's friends, all being cartoonists when we were growing up, um, uh, I grew up around David Silverman, who's the, you know, sort of the guy responsible for The Simpsons being what it is, you know. Right. Uh, he, he, you know, was the guy that took uh, Matt Groening's Life in Hell and made it, you know, <laughs> um, and th- look the way it does, basically. Um, but yeah, well, I've known him since forever. Um, so, you know, he, he's he's never given me any animation insights on work, but he's a really good <laughs> follow on Twitter because he'll post a lot of his um, you know, pencil sketches and, uh, you know, keyframe animations and stuff from the Simpsons. Uh, right. so it's really interesting to see, you know, like, uh, a still of a Homer freak out, you know, where they really went crazy with the animation, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think that's sort of, um, you know, part of what got me into it too, is just like seeing these guys doing interesting stuff ever since I was growing up and say, like, Oh shit, you know, these, there's, it's not, I think, the privilege of growing up around cartoonists is that you kind of see the um, human back end of this stuff. And, you know, cause you look at the Simpsons, you look at any TV show, especially as a kid. And it's just like, Oh, this is something that exists. You know, I, I th- it, it just happened organically. And it's like, no, there's people behind it working on this stuff and you can do that. You can get in there and, you know, be, you know, animating Homer falling off a cliff, you know, that could be you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's really interesting to kind of get that, perspective i feel like yeah you know with newspaper comic strips and everything kids i've spoken to growing up just have no concept that you know there's there's people behind the scenes working on that stuff there's no. just something that's in the newspaper it's like no you can be the guy making this stuff um, you, you yeah. think it just exists you think you think <laughs> yeah. these shows are just you, you i mean you you know they're not real but they're they're real you don't think about the process how long it takes to make uh and yeah. I, i'll second that about david he's a great follow on twitter Uh, A very early episode of this podcast, you know, I always make the joke, like back when I barely knew what I was doing, but David spoke to me in episode five of this podcast. And I still really like that, that episode. So I I recommend checking it out. Um, uh, Just a great example of the kind of people that work on the show and how much they love it. Yeah. Uh, One more David Silverman thing is, um, I don't know if everybody's aware that he plays a flaming tuba uh, at at, at Burning Man and, um, and other occasions. And we uh, were all at a comics festival in the UK called LICAF, the Lakes International Comic Art Festival. It was me, my brother, um, David Silverman, a handful of other people. I think Bill Morrison was there uh, that year too. But um, my brother played in a band with David Silverman, like a pickup band at this tiny little bar in Kendall in the north of England, small town. Uh, David had his tuba, Joe's playing guitar, and they did um, a cover of Spider Pig uh, <laughs> that I've never seen an audience go more wild. 
like there was just this tiny little bar, maybe a hundred people in there that, you know, just absolutely crammed uh, in. And uh, they played Spider Pig, chucking it down, uh, raiding outside. So everybody was soaked, crammed into this hot little bar. It might be one of my favorite memories. And we have a video of it, um, which I'll have to post somewhere. I was just about to ask. You got to get that online. But they, so they, they played it once and then there was like a pause and then everyone was just like spider pig spider pig so they played it again even faster and i was just it it was a lot of fun but yeah david's a, a lovely guy and always willing to um, play his flaming tuba for you yeah no he, my man loves a tuba um so i mean you said bill morrison so i'll use that as a bit of a segue uh in terms of simpsons connections i'm obviously a big fan of bill had him on the show a couple times um you know happy to call him a friend just a great guy and I know that you worked for Mad Magazine and have done other projects with Bill, uh, you know, who obviously a ton of Simpsons history with Bill. How did, how did you come to know him? Uh, again, another one that's sort of just, um, you know, through <laughs> only knowing cartoonists ever since I was a kid. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've sort of known him since forever. And uh, he really was um, super you know kind of uh, over the years i've i've had a handful of you know quick meetings with him and stuff about like wow you know how would you recommend getting into comics and stuff um you know if i wanted to you know move from kind of concert posters <laughs> uh, and album covers into actual comics and so he was always really helpful and full of advice but it, it, it i was privileged to um you know have known him since i was a, a little kid um but yeah, then when uh, Mad Magazine came around, because I'd been trying to get into Mad forever, and um, like Sam Viviano and stuff, where I was like, yeah, you know, you're a you're, uh, good kid. You know, <laughs> maybe we'll give you a shot one day. Come up with something. Uh, you know, come up with a, a panel gag that we can maybe include in the letters page or something. And uh, it just never panned out. And then uh, when Bill was taking over Mad, uh, he invited me to lunch and he was like, yeah, you know, we'd like you to maybe do something for. Uh, mad uh i was like yeah great you know like a panel cartoon or something he's like no we'll give you basically as much space as you want to just um come up with a comic strip so i came up with the 27 club about uh all the dead celebrities uh getting together just justice league style um <laughs> to solve crimes on earth music-based crimes on earth and uh yeah the, it, i made my debut in mad magazine with five pages that i'd written and illustrated myself and um, it was just really nice of Bill to put that much faith in me. Uh, but yeah, then so for every issue of Mad, I was doing like four or five pages that I'd written and illustrated, and it was it was nuts. Yeah, so um, Bill really helped me bust into comics. But I must say, it wasn't nepotism because uh, he, <laughs> he, it was years. It was years of meeting with him about me trying to break into comics. So um. <laughs> Nah, Luke, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna let you off the hook, man. I think you earned every single bit of it. Uh, well, that's how know, that's how I like to feel. He he really he he's a no not he's the nicest guy in the world, but he, he's not gonna just let me. Yeah, you know, as somebody's kid, I really had to prove that I could do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bill. Bill's not just handing out opportunities to every no. single person he meets. Um, you know, and, and I saw some stuff that you did uh, recently for some of his newer projects. Like I loved those COVID Valentines you did. Bill was posting those all over. Right. Those were yeah. really great. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, again, just kind of giving free reign to do whatever I want. And I think I I think we ended up going with about four. Um, uh, Initially, I was only supposed to do two, I think, but then I submitted about 12 ideas to him <laughs> and uh, he, he picked his four favorite 
um, but also the four least offensive ones. <laughs> I think some of them were like, uh, yeah, this is not the right tone. Very kind of, I won't say preachy, but um, very, <laughs> uh, let's just say insensitive to um, people that, uh, you know, didn't take COVID too seriously. Yeah. yeah. You know, Luke, I'm willing to bet that I would have loved those. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, okay. <laughs> I thought they were funny. <laughs> I'm sure Bill did too. He was just trying to be yeah, nice. <laughs> I think, yeah, he was trying not to um, get any of us in trouble. <laughs> nah, yeah, I take every single opportunity on this podcast to just talk about how great Bill is. Uh, you know, he sent me this crazy uh, prototype of a tent that was made in like 1991. It's one of my favorite things in my collection now. Uh, nice. Bill, just a, a true sweetheart. Love him. Um, so let's, you know, let's dig into your actual fandom of the show a little bit. You said that you were watching it, you know, from, a, from an early age. Uh, what would you say your earliest memory of it was? When did you actually start noticing what the show was doing? I think um, my absolute earliest memory is the one where uh, Bart is in France as um, an exchange student and has to drink the wine with the antifreeze in it and <laughs> stuff. That's, um, yeah, just my earliest memory of The Simpsons. That one really sticks with me. And I think... Um, I had it I had it on VHS as well like just that one episode but not even not taped off the TV I I seem to remember you know for some reason a single episode of the Simpsons on a VHS but yeah um yeah that that's they were really getting to the peak of their powers of kind of tying emotion into a cartoon into a, a cartoon as well like because if you watch that again it's really sad it's it is like quite, it is quite really a, sad. A, a, a sad episode so you feel super bad for Bart. You feel like you're trying to like, you know, I mean, it's honestly a pretty fucked up situation. He's in this other country. He doesn't speak the language uh, right away. And he, you know, is being mistreated. It's actually a yeah. really dark premise. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, they did release, um, there was a greatest hits uh, VHS set that came out in the early 2000s. There were like several boxes. And each of those VHS tapes had like two episodes on them, I believe. But I want to say in the UK there was a there was a lot of just single episode. Yeah, uh, and that's releases. what it would have been. I remember very specifically the kind of packaging that is surprise. Even the shape of VHS packaging in the UK was different. Like it was a lot more kind of rounded, <laughs> a lot more white plastic on it, and our kind of age ratings are you know triangles as opposed to you know it was just. Um, I very specifically remember the packaging for this one episode. <laughs> I, I think I know exactly what packaging you're talking about. I'm willing to bet. I think I even have some here. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, aside from that, like, you know, we're talking like that episode obviously stood out to you really early on. What do you think made it feel different than other shows? I mean, that's the thing I'm always sort of breaking down. Like lots of us grew up on cartoons. Lots of us, you know, watched other stuff in the same time. What stood out to you about the Simpsons that made it different? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I, I, I wonder whether it's kind of a nature versus nurture thing because, um, you know, if, if I'm giving my age away, I was born at the end of 1987. So um, my too, child, right yeah, there. my childhood could not have been more enmeshed with The Simpsons um, if I tried. Uh, <laughs> so I think it was, you know, everything was The Simpsons. You know, it was just everywhere it was like the cultural phenomenon so you know that and ninja turtles um so it's not like i had to like seek it out you know and get into it but uh, a another vivid memory is the summer of who shot mr burns you know like we were 
all talking about it. When's the last time that's happened with a cartoon? You know, um, like genuinely everybody talking to adults and stuff as well. Like you're a little kid and you're like, come, you know, explaining your theories and they're explaining their theories back to you. And it was just, you know, an insane time for a cartoon. I believe that that is one of the most special episodes of not just the Simpsons, but just nineties television. Absolutely. I don't think any show uh, in that time would have had the balls to do that, to do yeah. a show that, you know, you get a part one, you have to wait a whole, you know, the whole gap in between seasons to get this answer. I mean, they did a whole America's most wanted parody about this, you know, and yeah. this is all fresh on the brain, the last episode, but you know, it's, it's such an insane thing. That is a testament to the show because most shows would not have been willing to try something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it, it just, I think they, they just took bigger, bigger swings with stuff. Um, you know, and also it was such like they, they would do stuff like that. But again, I remember at the same time, I always use this as a frame of reference as to why I don't really, um, keep up with like Marvel and DC stuff is that all my friends at school were obsessed with the old X-Men cartoon. Um, and it was like complicated. And if you missed one episode, you had no idea what was going on. And it's like the Simpsons, it was a standalone thing. You got it, you know, they would carry stuff over into other episodes, but you know, really you can dive in anywhere. Um, yeah. You, you kind of got the relationship between the characters immediately. Um, you know, but yeah, so it was, if I'm in my childhood comparing the Simpsons and the X-Men cartoon, it was obvious which one I would prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I did, you know, I was an X-Men kid as well. And I liked that show, but also like, it's true because I recently tried to rewatch some of it and I don't even, I don't even understand how I could have comprehended some of those stories. They no. stretch across episodes. It's like, really, it's like, wait, so why are they going to this plant? Like, it's very confusing for a, yeah. for a child's brain. And I Absolutely. think the Simpsons, you know, while some of the, the points that it's making are a little complex, you every, it's kind of like Groundhog Day in that way. Like, even if they, even if there is some sense of continuity, every episode you are able to watch on its own and not be confused. Um, and, and that, that level of sincerity that the show would have and being able to also do that is again, not a common thing, even for the time. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is that, um, it felt, uh, because you know, again, it's a, it's a sitcom rather than a cartoon, you know, it's just heightened real life, um, versus, you know, yeah, we have to get to the plant on planet X to save the magic <laughs> crystal. You know, it's like, you can sit down and watch it with your parents you know if your parents were cool uh some people i knew had parents that wouldn't let them watch the simpsons which was just insane it um, is insane but yeah it was like it was something like oh you know adults are into this too so it's grown it's a cartoon that you weren't like this is for babies you know like Im immediate eventually you get to an age where liking cartoons you know is embarrassing it's like no i don't like that <laughs> stuff but it's like the simpsons is like oh this is always acceptable to watch this is just cool you know right um, so yeah, that's a, a, another difference there. I think, uh, other than the Flintstones, they were the, the first animated sitcom really. Yeah. And I mean, and the that's... Sims, I mean, then the Flintstones, how do you relate to that? I don't have a Pelican that I use as a cement mixer, but I do have a dad that strangles me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't use a rock to brush my teeth. Like I'm not relating to Flintstones, you know, and I, I, I say, 
I, I will call back to what you said about 1987. I, I was born in the, the early half of 1997 or 1987, January. And it's true. If you were born in that time, you know, we were peak age. I mean, yeah. 1990, 1991, especially if you had a, a brother or someone to, to sort of revel in it with you, like I did, yeah. uh, it was everywhere. I mean, if your mom, you know, I make this example often, if your mom took you to buy sodas or pizza from the freezer section, there was, Bart was going to be on there sometimes, exactly. you know, like you were getting a Butterfinger, you were seeing him. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that that is always like one, one reason I started this podcast is everyone's experience is different. If we were born in the eighties, like us, you were, you were right there. If you found the show in the late nineties, because of your, your dad or your older sibling, you have all these unique connections to this show and it has truly transcended. There are people, you know, that watch it that didn't start at the beginning. They started watching 10 years ago and they still love it. Yeah. So that is why the show is worth discussing with everyone because it is something unlike anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, d I don't know anybody that hasn't seen the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, doesn't at very least they know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't at least seen Bart Simpson and could could name him if they saw a photo? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's sort of you know that that's another thing that I talk about a lot is I feel like if you grow up uh, around Simpsons fans or when you meet people that also like the Simpsons, there is sort of like a connection there. You're like, oh, okay, we have a similar sense of humor. There's something that feels different about that. And obviously there are lame people that like the Simpsons. I'm sure there's Absolutely. people that, you know, that there's lame people that like anything, but wh why do you think people that like the Simpsons, wh why do you think it's such a safe bet that they enjoy at least similar things comedy wise? Yeah. Well, that's, um, a sort of a, a, a very interesting question because th like, like we were just saying, you know, there's nobody that couldn't name Bart Simpson and stuff. It's like, it's not a niche thing to enjoy the Simpsons, you know? Um, it's like, I could run outside and meet a hundred people that um, love the Simpsons and I, I wouldn't want to hang out with any of them. No, um, <laughs> it, it, it is funny. It's yeah. It's I, I, I cannot answer that question because it, it, it does feel while being sort of like, our level of the our version of the Beatles, like this inescapable cultural phenomenon, it also feels like a, a special club. I don't know. Maybe that's part of their magic. You know, it's yeah. like it feels like our, our thing. Whereas it's you know you can go to you can go down to you know Cancun, Mexico, and get a you know Bart dressed as Osama bin Laden with a <laughs> "Don't mess with the U.S." Cancun, Mexico, nineteen ninety nine. You know, it's just. <laughs> You see the absolute bizarre bootleg shirts, but yeah, it's like you can go anywhere and pick up Simpsons gear, and yet somehow it still feels like your special thing. So yeah, I don't know. It must be that is magic. Yeah, very well said. There, that's and that's kind of the point. It's like you know, it is this thing that is, you know, it's one of the most successful things of all time. Uh, one of one of the few shows that is still popular that's never been canceled. Like yeah. you know, Family Guy got canceled once and then came back, and and you know, whatever Futurama. It's happened to a lot of shows. Um, but it, even with it being so huge, it does sort of feel like if you have a friend that gets Simpsons references or someone that you can make those jokes with, um, it, there's something special about that camaraderie between you and that, that friend or that group of people. Yeah. Uh, it's just an interesting thing to ponder on. 
Well, I suppose it is. I mean, it's sort of it is like the Beatles in that, you know, there's nobody that's like, oh, there's very few people that are like the Beatles. It's over commercialized or whatever. It's like the biggest band of all time. And you, you don't look at them and go, you know, you, you have your favorite song, you know, and it's like, oh, and you meet somebody that also loves, you know, tomorrow never knows and you're like oh okay we're you know we're we're bros now and it's like it's not like that's an obscure thing you know (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's very true so there must be something about uh i guess maybe doing uh, a shit ton of stuff (laughs) very well and then you know and you can kind of pick and choose your favorite parts and that makes it feel special to you who knows yeah obviously the the beatles didn't even run as long as the simpsons did (laughs) that is true i mean come on you know we are we are to a point with the Simpsons where there's like, there's enough Treehouse of horror episodes for every day of October. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. actually more than that soon. So it's like, it's just something that I think when people look back on it, whenever it does eventually end, I hope Disney doesn't try to Mickey mouse it and make yeah. it always exist. But eventually when it's gone, it's going to feel so strange. It's going to be like, you know, McDonald's closing. That's an example I've heard. Like, it's yeah. just one of those things you don't think would ever go away. So one day, if it does, it's going to be, it's going to be really strange. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you're not kind of consuming the new episodes or, you know, whatever. Again, yeah, like I, I don't, rare, I rarely eat at McDonald's, although I, I do like their double cheeseburger meal. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like if McDonald's cl- closed, you'd be like, oh, what, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, you'd be a little sad. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's, it's a weird thing. Well, well, tell me this. Do you have any... In terms of The Simpsons, do you have any unpopular opinions? Like, is there a character that people like that you can't stand or anything like that? I don't know. No, I don't think I do have any particularly uh, unpopular Simpsons. I'm trying to think now. Um, I wish you'd have given me these questions in advance. No, I don't know. Um, my only... The opinion I feel bad about having <laughs> for The Simpsons, because I know so many people that kind of work on it and stuff, is that it feels like now, and again, I don't think this is an unpopular opinion, but I feel like now it is written by people who grew up watching The Simpsons and it suffers for that. Whereas in its heyday, it was written by people that grew up watching everything. And so it would be filled with references to, you know, um, West Side Story and, you know, Dr. No and just, right. you know, absolutely, you know, everything. Um, I just watched The Fugitive the other night. It's, it's sort of like Looney Tunes in the way in that almost everything I know about popular culture was initially because of The Simpsons. Right. You know, and uh, like I classical music, I only know because of Looney Tunes. Right. So no, it's like it's so Ed, true. The Simpsons referenced everything. And now it's it's being written by people who like us are fans of the Simpsons and you'd go, you know, instead of referencing, you know, um, Harrison Ford jumping out of the drainage tube, (laughs) uh, drainage tunnel in the fugitive, you'd go, Hey, remember when Homer fell off the cliff? Let's reference that, you know, that's reference. That that. was funny. And it's like, yeah, I feel like the show kind of suffers from that now in that um, it's written by people who have, been exposed to pop culture through the Simpsons rather than filtering pop culture into the Simpsons. (laughs) I I think that's really well said. I mean, you know, people that listen, they know that I I commonly take up for newer Simpsons. I definitely like newer Simpsons, not as much as the classics. I mean, I think it's, it's like anything, you know, if you're around that long, you're going to have seasons that are just weak. Uh, You're going to have episodes that are kind of weird. And there's plenty of those people get it twisted and they think, 
that I like every episode or claim to, and that's nonsense. There's episodes I straight up don't like and can't stand. Right. Uh, you know, so that's it's one of those things. But I do like what you're saying, and it is interesting because The Simpsons is so it's it goes back to what we're talking about, how everyone knows what it is. All I would argue all television in some sense probably suffers from everything being filtered through such a wide net. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, cause you hear Simpsons references across everything. I mean, you hear Simpsons references in supernatural, uh, it's just insane the reach that it has. And so there probably is some element to that, to where nothing ever really lives up to those early seasons, including itself at, at times, because it's so perfect that it influenced everything. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing though. Yeah. is like, I, I suppose I feel for the writers because unless they still, you know, only watching movies from the 1950s or whatever, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, The Simpsons has filtered into our, all our culture so massively that there, yeah, you, you, there really isn't anything to reference anymore that's been made in the last 30 years that yeah. hasn't been affected by The Simpsons, you know? So yeah, it's, it's an uphill battle. And I think that's, you know, why one day The Simpsons must end. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, because the, eventually the snake will finish eating its own tail. It it will. I will say <laughs> I'll use this opportunity. This is my I do this like once every episode. Uh, the last couple of seasons have been really strong. I think the strongest in a while. I think the current season 33 might be the best since like season 15. I mean, I think right. it might be the best one in like, you know, two decades. Uh, and I think that they're in a real stride. So I'm hoping that they can, you know, at least get a, get a few more years of that. It's in a really good place. Uh, but I do, you know, I would love to see it go out peacefully and not go on, you know, some would argue it's gone on too long already, but let's, let's go out on a really nice note. If we got to go out, you know what I mean? Let's, let's keep everybody healthy on the show and let's go out in a good way. Yeah. I think that is the one problem now. And I, I mean, yeah, again, I'm not even speaking from, um, a total place of expertise because I have heard good things about the the new season, but I, I, I mean, I don't have, um, cable anymore <laughs> um and that every simpsons ever website never seemed to pan out no um, <laughs> no Long so I, I can't i don't know where to watch it now um but uh I, i've heard strong things but I, I was going to say something and i forget what it was so anyway congratulations to the new writers on the simpsons i had a point and i totally distracted myself <laughs> maybe it'll come to me yeah if it co- honestly we're gonna play a couple games here in a minute so if it comes to you by the end just yeah, yeah, be yeah. like oh this is the thing i forgot earlier yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually like one of the first interview episodes i've done in a while in fact i think it's the first one i've done since nancy cartwright i if, you know someone listening can probably correct me but i i haven't done one since like january i've been doing more like q a's episode deep dives and stuff and and people like the interviews and i'm trying to get back to it but one thing also that's fun about interview episodes that are not with people from The Simpsons is we get to play a little game that people really like called the synopsis game. And uh, I'm excited to see how you do, Luke. I'm excited to see how I do, too. <laughs> True or false? You can get mono from riding the monorail. Mm, false. No, wait, maybe it's true. No, you were right. It's false. Okay, so the way this works is... I'm going to read you five synopsis, uh, and you're going to tell me if they are real episodes or if they are made up episodes. And, you know, I know you said you don't watch a lot of new ones, so you're probably going to be having to take some pretty big guesses here. Right. But if it seems feasible, just tell me if it's true or false, and uh, we'll see how you do. Best out of five. Okay. 
And uh, some people have done really well. Some people have had a hard time. So they're not easy. So don't go in feeling like you got to sweep it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Here's an example. And this is uh, is a free one. Homer tells Mo Sislak about the flaming Homer, an alcoholic cocktail of cough medicine and fire that he invented. Mo steals Homer's recipe, renames it the Flaming Mo. You know where I'm going with this. That one's absolutely true. Yes. 100%. There you go. All right. Got it. All right, Luke. Are you ready? I am ready. Number one. Homer and Bart take Lisa to a book fair to make up for attaching fireworks to her video. At the fair, Krusty meets his long-lost daughter, but their reconciliation doesn't go well, and so Krusty does the sensible thing and turns to Homer for parenting advice. Oh, I feel like you're starting me with a curveball. I'm going to say that one's false. Oh, it's actually real, no, Luke. Oh, yeah. That is, a- that is Insane Clown Poppy from season 12, episode uh, three. They, I it's mean, a- it sounded too plausible to be a real one. Like, it sounded <laughs> like, oh, this is su- such a Simpsons episode. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I will clarify that I, I, I probably should have said is I will take they'll either be real or fake. I won't take real ones and change them to like a little bit. I figured you you wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's just, that's just cruel. Come on. That's just, (laughs) that's just messed up. All right. So that's one down, but that's okay. Okay. Number two, Marge is shunned after Homer has an altercation with the Easter bunny at the mayor's egg hunt. A lonely Marge joins a women's group who plans to steal $1 million from Burns. Oh, is that one true? It is true, okay. Luke. Nice. I feel like I there remember that one. <laughs> there you go. That's the last of the Red Hot Mamas from season 17. That's episode seven. All right. So there you go. All right. One and one, Luke. Not so bad. Okay, Not so bad. Great. Number three. Bart wins a place at the Spellympics National Spelling Bee by cheating, but discovers that it's not as clean cut a competition as he thought, while the rest of the family tours the country on the trail of a limited edition Krusty Burger. I'm going to go with, I'm going to say that one's false. That you are Is correct, okay? Luke. You got it. There you go. Because nice. it was going to be, because <laughs> I remember it, because he uses the, it's the grammar rodeo from the World Fair, World's Fair episode. There I you feel go. like, yeah, they couldn't use that plot device too many times. Or then maybe they <laughs> did. Go. It's been going for 33 seasons. That's why I thought this game would be fun. There's yeah, so I, many that yeah. sound, some of the real ones sound very fake as we were yeah. demonstrating. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Luke's got two of them. He only missed the first one. We're doing good. Number four. After Barney admits he never had a proper birthday party, Homer is determined to plan the perfect surprise party for him, which keeps him away from his family and his job. Um that sounds I'm gonna go with false. I'm gonna go with false. Luke, you got it. That is false. Look at you. Luke started (laughs) off with a with a L, but he's bringing in the W's. I mean, come on. (laughs) <laughs> All right, man, Luke with the, the, the comfort behind victory here. That's me. Number five. That's what they call me. <laughs> they call me the, the come from behind victory. <laughs> Number five. After finding Bart rooting for a Boston football team, Homer takes the family to Boston to show Bart what a terrible city it is. <laughs> um. I, I have no idea, so I'm going to go with true. I'm going to go with true. It is true. It Here is true. That is the town from season 28, episode three. It's really making fun of the New England Patriots. So I, I actually really like that episode. I have no problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luke with the come from behind victory, which we have already 
already said is his nickname from high school. That's right. And uh, so four, four correct. I'd, I'd say that's an easy win, Luke. I've got to be in at least the the top five guests you've ever had here. You 100%. I mean, I think, you know, get only missing one. You're doing good. Doing good. That's a solid B. A solid B. 80%. A solid B. A great showing for Luke. Uh, and if, if that's your first time here in the synopsis game, I started doing these like a few months ago. So you got a few more episodes. Go back, check them out. All right. So the next thing we do, Luke, the next segment is one that's been here since episode three, and that is the big three. And it's had like one change since then, but it's been mostly the same for the whole show. The first one is your favorite character and why. Okay. Um, I think uh, my favorite character uh, is, you know, I want to say my heart says um, Hans Mole, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just like him. He's just cute. <laughs> He's great. No, no, really deep, no deep reason. You just yeah, like, no, him. no deep reasoning. Um, with the, the short film where he gets hit in the nuts of the football. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong with that. When the, the underground city of the mole man. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's just a, he's a star. And he's one of the few people that's just not yellow on the show. Yeah. So you gotta, you exactly. gotta enjoy that. He Absolutely. stands out. Yeah, he, he does. Out. All right, so this will kind of call back to the unpopular opinion question, so maybe this will stir that other point you wanted to make up, but your least favorite character and why? Who's someone that you don't you just don't really think's that funny? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think that's a very 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 good question. Um, you know, uh I really don't know. You know, let's just throw out what was the um the one-armed guy that ran the uh, army surplus store. Um, oh, that's uh, Herman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't like his vibe. I just don't yeah. like his vibe. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we would would agree on much. Uh, no, with Herman. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> the, the example that I make a lot, uh, and, and I've gotten some hate for this, but it's okay. I, I don't think Millhouse is as great as everyone else does. I, I, I got love for him. He's in some great episodes. He's some of the best jokes, but there are people that really identify with Milhouse on like a, in a sincere way. And I, I think if I had to cut characters, he might not make the cut down the line. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, yes, I think I agree with you because he has some of my kind of all time favorite bits or lines or whatever, but as a character, He's not that great. I prefer his dad. I would much rather hang out with his, you know, with his dad. Yeah. I agree. I, I think his family is funnier than he is. Yeah. But yeah, there's um the example that springs to mind. The two examples are um where he meets the sort of Shelbyville m- version of Millhouse. And uh it's like, so this <laughs> is what it's like when two doves cry. Um, and then also where he like raises his eyebrows suggestively at Lisa. And I think it's principal Skinner is like, lower those eyebrows. And he lowers one. And it's like, and the other one. Yeah. Just classic Millhouse bits. But you know, as a character, th- those could have been given to anybody. And they didn't. Right. He, he falls a little short for me. Sometimes some people say Ralph. Um, I think I had a guy like say Ralph. disco stew, yeah. which I was just um, like, stop yeah. it. Yeah. We don't really need <laughs> disco stew. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's a few, there's a few, but I'll, I'll take Herman. Uh, right, I'm willing yeah. to bet he's not a great guy. So there you go. Yeah. That works. <laughs> what about, you know, and, and I sort of preface this question a lot with, if you were showing someone the Simpsons who had never seen it, um, you know, what, what are a, a few episodes, normally three that mm. come to mind for you that you would be like, these are some you got to watch. Okay. Well, so this is a, a tricky question for me. Um, 
because again of a lifetime of watching Simpsons, uh, all episodes have blended into one. Um, <laughs> but I can give you my three favorite uh, Simpsons quotes, there and you go. It, it because of that, I would then try and dig out those episodes to uh, show people. So if we can figure out which ones those are, um, the ones that come up most <laughs> in my daily life are. Um, I think it's Mr. Burns is watching Homer on the security camera and he goes, uh, look at him calmly eating candy like a Spaniard. And I (laughs) I just love that quote, which means nothing and is so funny um, to me. Another one where uh, Marge is squeezing ketchup and mustard uh, into the bottle from the tiny fast food containers into bigger bottles. And Lisa goes, do you do that with relish? And she goes, no, to be honest, I'm quite embarrassed about it. It's just, <laughs> I, I love that. And then- That's um, so good, yes. I, and then the, I think the most iconic uh, episode, which I would insist on showing somebody, is um, Homer Palooza, uh, where he meets Billy Corgan. And it's, you know, Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins. Homer Simpson smiling politely. Um, so yeah, I would <laughs> figure out, obviously the, the first one there is Homer Palooza, but the rest we need to figure out what episode those are in. And I would make people watch those. I think I know, but I don't want to misspeak, but there, I think I <laughs> most of you know, you know, uh, it, there's, you know, I, I think one thing I will consider adding to this list, maybe it'll be the big four is I want to know what like unimportant jokes people remember. Like, and that those are great examples of that because, you know, it's like Marge with the potato. Oh, I just think they're neat. Uh, you know, Marge not yeah. wanting, and it's usually Marge, like Marge not wanting to give Milhouse's teeth back. I love those sort of nonsense jokes. Yeah, there's one as well that I always think about, and it's not even a, vi- it's just a visual gag, but um, I think it's Milhouse, and I think it might be the Shelbyville episode, but um, he, he's like, uh, you know, oh, I'm so angry, I could just explode. And it's either Rod or Todd just gets this look on his face, like this worried, almost Charlie Brown look and just takes one step backwards. And it just makes me laugh every time I see it. Just this <laughs> stressed out face on Rod or Todd. So uh, good. Being worried that Mel House is going to explode. I yeah. do believe that's from Limit of Troy, which is is one of my favorites. I do think so. Yeah, those are all good answers, Luke. I mean, we got Thank Mole you. Man at the favorite. <laughs> we got Herman at the least favorite. And just some classics for the the, the three faves. So I'll, I'll take it. Good All right, stuff. great. Great. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you for accepting It's acceptable, Luke. Well. I'm, I'm going to let it pass, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that we'll talk about before we get out of here, sort of the, the way I wrap a lot of these up, uh, because one of the only reasons anyone knows who I am on the internet is because of my collection. Uh, and because we're around the same age, you know, I've, I've, I'm sure you remember seeing the merchandise throughout your childhood in the nineties. And I'm curious, did you ever, did you have a Bart shirt? Did you have the Burger King dolls? Did any of that make its way into your house? No, you know, um, honestly, none of it did, which is, um, very confusing to me. Although I was looking on eBay the other night for, um, uh, bootleg, uh, Gulf war Bart t-shirts. There you <laughs> I go. Need, I need one of those. Um, I'll, ke- I'll keep you in the loop. Uh, Luke, the next time oh, I see one, do. I'll shoot you a message. Yeah, yeah. please do. Um, uh, under $50, ideally. I got you. <laughs> I'm I'll, keep crazy. An eye out. I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> but yeah, um, I honestly can't remember actually picking up any of the ephemera. Um, and I remember seeing it everywhere and kind of almost getting it. Um, but I, I don't honestly know why. I do have... Um, I was lucky enough to go to uh, one of the um, table readings. Um, so I do have a signed script from a table reading. That's my one bit of Simpsons 
collectabilia. Yeah, um, I would say that's pretty special. I think that buys a little bit of and oh, and obviously I have almost all of the Bongo comics, but like none of the toys, none of the the, the merch, you know. Um, and I don't really know why. Probably too busy <laughs> buying um, Ninja Turtles and then uh, Power Rangers stuff. Some people didn't like a lot of stuff, you know. Also, yeah. we were little kids. We didn't have we didn't have a lot of money to buy stuff with. I think that might be the problem is that uh, when I was a kid, it was all T-shirts and stuff. That was the main merch. And I'm a kid. I'm not going to buy clothes. <laughs> what is yeah. this? You got to force then, me to get clothes. You know? And then they started making toys when I was, uh, you know, out of my toy phase. I feel I remembered like the toy, the action figures really coming out sort of around the Simpsons movie, I think, was when they really started pushing toys. And uh, there were a yeah. lot then. Yeah, pretty much in the early 2000s, around the time that like you know, ar- around the time that there was that second wave of just bit toys being popular, like yeah. not even just Simpsons. They really, you know, playmates, the same people that made Ninja Turtles toys and still do playmates also made the world of Springfield stuff in early 2000s. So a little connection there. Uh, and they just really made a ton, but that was, you know, toys got really popular then. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, my last big toy buying era was um, uh, the uh, Star Wars. Was it Kenner making all the cool Star Wars toys? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That was the, so. I think I think I haven't really bought any toys since I was about uh, twelve. So I, I missed out on the Simpsons uh, toy period. <laughs> um, unfortunately well see luke you just do what i did and when you get to a certain age and you're not like touring in bands or doing anything else that crazy you're like you know i'm just gonna buy a bunch of stuff and fill a room up with it and look like this on the internet for everyone to enjoy yeah no it's it's great <laughs> I, do, I do envy your collection but yeah i just um you know i i, I lead quite a spartan lifestyle here look oh, at my zoom know. background i've got a hallway <laughs> i've got uh, an empty space you know, <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you know, sometimes when you ask people, they're like, Oh, I had it. And it all, it all got take, taken to a yard sale or something. So, you know, you probably just avoided a lot of, a lot of clutter by not doing yeah. that. That's okay. <laughs> a lot of heartache of uh, giving stuff to a garage sale. Um, <laughs> there you go. Et cetera. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to remember because I feel like there must've been like a period of uh, McDonald's or Burger King toys or something where, I mean, there must be, I, I must have something for like my yeah, Burger house. Burger King did a lot of Simpsons stuff. Yeah. Uh, even Subway did for a while. Right. So there's, yeah, there's a really lot big of Subway person as a kid. And now I'm not, now that it turns out that bread isn't technically bread. So, I mean, I will, I don't know if this is, <laughs> I news. had a Subway period when I was about 15 to 17. Yeah. When you first discover a a new type of sandwich, like if you're like me, you grew up in a small town. I was like, Oh, I've never had a long sandwich. That sounds great. (laughs) You know, but I I don't know if this surprises anyone on the show, but I actually think Subway is one of the worst fast food restaurants. (laughs) I can see that. I can see that just in quality. It's just not good. Yeah. Although, uh, I, I like the way the sweet onion chicken teriyaki sandwich makes your hands smell terrible afterwards. Yeah. They just stink of onions. Uh, <laughs> they, your hands smell more like onions than the sandwich tastes. Um, so, yeah. you know, there you go. There's, there's a really good episode of the, I think it's called the food that made us. I watched it because Bill Oakley was in it, uh, but they talk about how Subway and Blimpy sort of butted heads and how they came to be and in, in the competition there. So, I mean, I found that interesting, even though, you know, Subway is, only sort of bread. Yeah, so exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really. I, I. I can't believe Subway won the Blimpy Subway War because I, I haven't heard of Blimpy in ages. Um, yeah. But what about what a good name for a sandwich place? 
There's more Subways than there are McDonald's. Wrap your mind around that. Yeah, that's Just crazy. Well, Luke, man, you know, I've had a blast, you know, getting to know you a little bit and, and just hearing about how you got into art, how you got into all the stuff that you do. Uh, I expect anyone who for some reason hasn't heard of Luke to go to his Instagram right now. Go look at all the stuff he's done. Just Google him and you'll I think you'll enjoy everything that you see. So on your way out, give, give me some shout outs, some projects you got coming up, anything you want to promote. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm working on a load of stuff at the moment that's um, sort of top secret. Uh, but I am developing a, um, well, I really recently released my first issue of my own comic Palava, um, Lukey McGarry's Palava, which is available on my website, lukemcgarry.com. And I'm trying to find time to put out episode two, but luckily I built in the tagline, um, the comic with a release schedule as unpredictable as its comment or as its content. <laughs> um, so I'm not obligated to release it. <laughs> <laughs> at any sensible time periods. But um, yeah, issue one of that's out right now, working on issue two. I'm currently working on um, like a, a two children's books and uh, two graphic novels. Uh, one of them expanding the 27 Club stuff I did for MAD. And then another one that's um, uh, it's a real life. It's a sort of um, a biography of um, a shady uh, music industry character there you go. i won't say anymore in case it takes me too long to finish it and somebody steals the idea <laughs> but this guy uh you know is so controversial but so has so many good quotes and so many stories worth writing about um other than the ones that got him in trouble including the ones that got him in trouble so uh keep an eye out for that i'm sure we'll be talking about that soon but yeah other than that just kind of trucking away working on all sorts of stuff very cool i'm gonna i'm gonna ask luke who he's talking about as soon as we're done with this all recording right. <laughs> maybe he'll tell me uh <laughs> as for all of you if you have any questions or comments you can email me at simpsons is great at gmail.com if you like this podcast consider leaving me a review on apple or anywhere that accepts reviews you can leave them on spotify now google i'm sure uh, and you can follow the official Instagram account at Simpsons is greater than or on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter and I'll see you later.